And welcome, everyone, to another episode of What Exit? Jersey Stories. I'm your host, Nick Franco, and with me today is my co-host, Pete. Pete Riario. There we go. Uh, Of course, as always, uh, holding things together, uh, Mr. Ming Chen over here. What's up, everybody? And with us today, uh, New Jersey comic, uh, Eagle Scout, and uh, all-around awesome dude, our friend, and uh, host of the American Loser podcast on the Shared Universe uh, Network, Mr. K.P. Burke. Oh, thank you, buddy. I'm, I'm, by the way, my new title is just a funny plumber. That's what I've been reduced to. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Wait, wait so, so you just, what, what uh, you actually just do a gig, uh, not gigs, uh, you, you have to do uh, service calls to what, circuses or whatever? You know, funny plumber, you know, like, like a clown, uh, clown shoe gets stuck or something or... Uh, it might as well be at this point. I've, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's good to uh, be here with you guys. Thank you again for the invite. I know I said it before the show too, but I meant it. No, uh, no, no, no. We're, we're happy to have you. We're happy Absolutely. to have you. And uh, you know, we, we wanted to do this. You know, we just started this uh, pod. You know, a couple of episodes ago, and I, you actually are uh, one of our inspirations. Oh, and Paris song. Yeah. Yes. Q Chicago. Yeah. But um. The, the, the whole idea of American Loser, you know, like going through history and, you know, finding these uh, people that came in second place or, or worse. And me, I, I've been a Jersey guy my whole life. I've, not only a Jersey guy, I've been a Hackensack guy my whole life. I, I can't get out of town. <laughs> but I figured there's other parts of New Jersey and other things and people and places and stories. And wh- why don't we talk about those? So, so thank you, KP. Oh, no, I, I thank you, man. And I, I like everything I've heard from you guys so far, too, because it's uh, it's very Jersey centric. So sometimes uh, we don't get to pay as much close attention to the, the stuff in the backyard as we'd like to on my show. But you guys are killing it with that. Oh, thank, thank you. you. So yeah, t- today, you know, the, the, the subject of our uh, of our uh, episode is, is going to be New Jersey. And, you know, we're, we're continuing with a little sports history. Being that we're a little sports deprived, you know, like the, I can't believe the NFL draft was on ABC you know, th- this week, which, which just blows my mind. People are so uh, sports starved right now. <laughs> but um, we're, we're going to talk about a little special part of uh, Jersey history. We're, we're going to talk about breaking the color barrier in baseball in New Jersey sports history. So, of course, you know, when we're talking about, you know, Breaking the color uh, barrier in uh, New Jersey sports history, who who do you get but one of the whitest guys we know, KP Burke? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was good, man. I'm on the uh, I'm on the other side of that one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. How did he How did he uh, steal that title from Mike Zapsic as uh, whitest guy that you know? I'm not really sure. <laughs> well, no, no, whitest guy, not whitest, angriest guy. You know that 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 we know. You know. They have a battle royale between the two of them. Yeah, there we go. Death, I'd be done with. I'd, I'd be done with that. I would take <laughs> money for that. <laughs> I got my money on KP for sure. Oh, a lot, lot of people pay for Again, there's no sports. <laughs> um, unless, you, unless you call, uh, you know, the uh, essential uh, product uh, WWE in front of uh, no fans. Uh, you know, sports. I don't know. Yeah. I know you're a fan, uh, KP, but is that uh, is that essential? Someone tell me. I, I think my fandom stops, and you guys will appreciate this. I believe my fandom for wrestling stops uh, 
probably when Stone Cold Steve Austin left. You know, so yeah. back then I would have considered it essential. Nowadays, I just can't believe that I'm tuning into the fourth round of the draft. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was joking the other night on uh, uh, well, was on Point Black, uh, Point Blank uh, podcast. Uh, the, uh, when Gio said he uh, came on and uh, he was talking about like, you know, who everyone's going to draft. I was like, you know, yeah, the first round, the the Jets are going to draft a. Uh, a canister of Lysol wipes, you know. <laughs> It'll be one of the best picks that they've done in recent history. <laughs> the size of that guy that they got on the Jets? Was he no, like- I, I didn't check it out yet. Oh. <laughs> There's some monsters out there, man. This was, yeah. uh, that was a weird draft. A couple of Jersey kids, too, I noticed, which was cool. Oh, awesome. awesome. Yeah, I always get excited for the hometown. Me too. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, you, you just you muted yourself, uh, KP. Oh, I've been doing it on again and off again because my dog is in the background whining at me because he wants to know why who I'm talking to in this box. <laughs> it's okay, Eddie. It's okay. <laughs> we are friends. <laughs> uh, it's the truth. He doesn't get it though, man. Uh, but but again, again, you know, for for that clamoring for sports, we figured we we'd go into uh, the the history of New Jersey and you know the breaking of the color barrier. What do you know? What you know, all three of you. What what do you guys know about? You know, uh, breaking up the color barrier and New Jersey's part of it. Be- besides what I sent you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I was unaware that Jersey was even involved in uh in any of the uh, breaking the color barrier history. Yeah, I I I think I know what most people know. Uh, most baseball fans know Jackie Robinson, Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, you know, went through. Uh, there was still segregation going on, so mm-hmm. road trips were difficult. Um, things like that, but uh. Yeah, I've never really researched it in depth. Um, uh, I've looked into some of the Negro leagues, um, mainly for the uh, the I I, th- I thought the uh, the logos for the Negro leagues were cool, and oh, yeah. uh, sometimes you'll come upon uh, like a, a throwback jersey or a hat. Um, uh, however, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know much, so uh, I'm prepared for you to educate us all today. So stay tuned, everybody. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And uh, how about uh, you, Pete? No, I, that's why I'm here for the education, for the history lesson from Professor, uh, you know, Franco over here. So, <laughs> Professor Franco, yo, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm more, not I'm not Professor Franco. I'm more like Doctor Nick. Hey, everyone. No, um, scary good impression, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I did say I do uh, voices very well, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, you you've muted yourself again, KP. Uh, <laughs> you, gotta, you just got to ignore that first show because he's yeah, his head is literally on my lap right now. So, <laughs> but KP, what, what do you know as far as New Jersey's uh, you know part in uh, breaking the color uh, barrier? Well, uh, uh, when I was in fourth grade, I had to do a. Um, my teacher was a. Uh, she gave us an assignment. It was New Jersey project, so it was uh, you had to profile two famous people from Jersey, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was obsessed with baseball, so as a favor, she gave me Larry Doby. And nice, nice. So I read a lot about it, so I, I, I come in with a little more prepared knowledge, uh, a, a cheating card up my sleeve, if you will, with that. But then, um, you know, also uh, just everything we learned from doing the Satchel Page episode, too. So this is – I was, I was going to allude to that, like the uh, the Satchel Page episode of American Loser. By the way, everyone listen to that and, and every other uh, episode. But in that uh, episode, you were saying that, uh, Ty, your, your, your buddy – after the episode, was it after or before, wound up going to a barbershop. Uh, yeah. If you want to tell us that story. Uh. Thank you for the setup, dude. That, that was a weird story. So my buddy Ty Rainey, a uh, super funny comic, 
Um, he came in. He's uh, he grew up in Montclair. Is all him. My mom's from Montclair, so she's got a soft spot for it. But I met him doing uh, shows over in Montclair, and he um, I brought him onto the show. And I think a day or two, he wasn't aware of all the the history of the, especially the Jersey connection, and then um, mm-hmm. the Larry Doby stuff. And um, he winds up uh, going into a barber shop, and he's just talking about the show with the the guy cutting his hair. And it turns out that uh, I can't remember if it was the guy cutting his hair or it was another guy in the barber shop, and it was uh, Larry Doby's grandson. Wow. Yeah. So pretty weird that uh, you know that's still relevant. And then my my aunt Linda went to. Um, uh, her high school reunion, I think uh, she went to, it was, I want to say Montclair high school. I think there's only one high school, but uh, Larry Doby's sister and her graduated together. They knew each other. Oh, wow. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool stuff, man. It was, uh, so outside of Larry Doby, I don't know too much. I think we're going to talk about the Nork bears today, right? Yeah, but, but well, yeah, the, well, actually the, the Nork Eagles, come on, you're an Eagle scout. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we are right. to, to talk a bit about, you know, some of the actual places, as I said, we, we go over the, you know, the, the people, the places, the things, the uh, the events in uh, New Jersey history and um, some of the places that played a part in New Jersey's uh, part in breaking the color barrier. And, you know, first part, the, as you mentioned, the Negro Leagues, um, one of them was uh, in Patterson, New Jersey, in Paseca County, Hinchcliffe uh, Stadium. And uh, let, let's see, it, it hosted the um, 1933 championship uh, between the New York Blank, the New York Black Yankees, and the Philadelphia Stars. And that's that was Hinchcliffe was actually the home stadium of the New York Black Yankees. So again, another New Jersey home for a New York team. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're, we're good like that o- over the years. But um, then we had, uh, let's see, Rupert Stadium over in Newark. And as you mentioned, uh, home of the Newark Bears for, uh, for, for the International League, AAA team uh, for the New York Yankees. But for uh, the Negro Leagues, you had it was the Newark Eagles. And we're going to speak about a few of the people from the Newark Eagles today. And the, the strange connection, besides them being teammates, uh, that, uh, that happened and um, the, 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 in 46, actually, the Eagles won the uh, Negro League World Series. And it was, uh, in fact, they beat, uh, well, who was it? Was it the Monarchs? Yeah, I think it was the KC Monarchs. And the pitcher for the KC Monarchs was Satchel Page. <laughs> oh, wow, man. The, the Ming was right, too. I, I always the funniest part of doing that episode was just researching the team names. And you're reminding me of some of them now, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> was it the, yeah. the Chattanooga Choo Choo's? That's the Jersey. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah, let's see. D- d- down uh, down w- way down south uh, in New Jersey, we also had in AC, we had uh, Bacharach Park. No, no, no relation to Burt. Uh, hmm. I don't think any relation to the game. But uh, they, the Bacharach Giants uh, were the uh, home team there. And uh, they, uh, one of their uh, uh, star players was John Henry Pop Lloyd, who uh, some people, uh, well, some historians actually agree was the best shortstop ever to play the game. Better than Derek Jeter? Yeah, <laughs> even better, yeah, better than Derek Jeter. 
right. No, well, well, also a Jersey connection there too. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe. Um, then we had Oval Park in East Orange, and the the first African American team was the New York Cubans. They used that. <laughs> go, go figure that one. <laughs> they used that field from forty one to forty seven. Um, now the strange thing about Oval Park in uh, East Orange was also non-Negro League teams played there too. In fact, there was uh, a semi-pro white team, the East Orange Baseball Club, that would play there. And what a lot of the Negro League teams would do was they would go to the Oval, they would play this team, so you actually had some actual integrated baseball going on uh, before they would actually go to play their next Negro League uh, game, like before they would go uh, play the Newark Bears, the Eagles, or you know whomever the next day, they would stop over at Oval Park. So you you had a lot of the the teams, not just the New Jersey based teams, but teams that came in from you know the other states would stop in play play a game or two and then head off and play their actual game. Um, that's how the minor league works to this day. I don't know if you knew that. That's that's like not too far off from the modern like like double A and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Is that there'll be like one or two prospects that they have to get the games in because they think they can make money off of them. So they'll have yep. guys that are like driving buses in the off season to get to play baseball as a minor leaguer for their whole life. Or or, or then or when uh, Jose Canseco gets sent down to the minors and then everyone wants to see the Trenton Thunder all of a sudden. Uh, what a <laughs> what a Twitter follow that guy is. Oh yeah, uh, I like well, uh, yeah, uh, following him and the Iron Sheik. Yeah, a couple of good uh, yeah, Twitter follows. Well, I, I mean, you you never know when a ball's going to bounce off someone's head and 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 go over the fence for a home run. So you got <laughs> <laughs> it, it. It takes a, a particular skill set, and, and we know Jose Canseco has that. <laughs> um, over over in Bloomfield, we had a uh, Sprig Field. Uh, the New York Browns played there. Uh, in Newark, you had also the Meadowbrook Oval, where the Newark Dodgers played. Uh, in Newark as well, you had School Stadium for the Newark, the Newark Stars. And if we actually go back even further, um, Elysian Field in Hoboken hosted, hosted games for the Cuban Giants back in 1888. <laughs> and there was some research done. They found actual some of the, the the Negro League teams were playing in Morris County in the late 1880s as well. I don't know that one at all. Yeah. I, I I didn't know this one either. I I um I, I believe it, this one came from I'm trying to remember if it was NewJersey.com or from the record. And uh, what one of uh, uh a uh, guy from the cultural historic uh, resource specialist uh, Jan Williams in Morris County. Uh, he came across stories about the Iron Era, uh, a newspaper with stories of the Cuban Giants playing local teams in Booton, Dover, Rockaway, and including the psychiatric staff at Greystone in Mars Plains. <laughs> hey, Ming, you want to take a, a guess at uh, what the team name was for the for Greystone? Uh, <laughs> Psychi- psychiatric Hospital? Uh, I don't yep. know, the, the tuberculosis. No, that's, that's too many words. <laughs> the, uh, the, you know, it, 
you know, the sickies. No, that's a little too on the nose. I have no idea what uh, what was the Greystone. They, they, they were the hospitalers. <laughs> <laughs> Where was Greystone again? I'm sorry. Where was Greystone again? I forgot. Uh, Mars Plains. Oh, oh Mars Plains. <laughs> Basically, where I work now. Not a Greystone, but Mars Plains. Good <laughs> <laughs> lord. Um, and yeah, j just to show their dominance, the Cubans <laughs> beat those hospitalers, uh, twenty-two to fourteen, <laughs> back in eighteen ninety-four. Jeez, that's a football score. Oh yeah. Now, here's a weird one. Roosevelt Stadium in Jersey City. Uh, excuse me, Jersey City. This was not used for the Negro Leagues. It was actually a minor league stadium. Uh, this is where the Jersey City Giants played uh, for the International League. And they were the uh, AAA team for the New York Giants when we had the New York Giants. Not the New York Giants, but the New York Giants. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, there is a particular place in history that this holds, and we will get into this next. Anyone want to take a shot at? You know, I really thought Nick was thrown into a commercial. I was like, how the fuck did you get sponsors before me? <laughs> it was like four episodes in. I was like, wow, good job, buddy. <laughs> after these messages. And we'll find out after this short message. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Are you feeling regular? Are you? No, um. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyone want to take uh, a shot? I know, I, you know, Pete and KP. I did actually send you our outline, if you want to call it that. Um, what what the actual historical significance of Roosevelt Stadium in the breaking of the color barrier of baseball holds? Where was Roosevelt Stadium? Jersey City. Jersey City. Um. I have I have no idea. Please okay. yeah, nor do one. Did you like hide it in the outline somewhere? Like I it's like a code breaker, I gotta figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. did you uh did you put some steam behind it and um you know like a little uh, lemon juice? And that's all I find. And yeah, I put it near the toaster for the uh, <laughs> there we go. Well we'll get into our next subject uh right away because this is where Jackie Robinson first broke the color barrier. So we, we, we all know about, you know, him breaking the color barrier with the Brooklyn Dodgers. But he actually had to play in the minors first. And, well, in the minors, it wasn't integrated either. So Jackie Robinson, he was given a, um, given a, uh, he, he was signed and he wound up playing for the Montreal Royals. He wound up playing for the Royals versus the Jersey City Giants on April 18th, 1946 at Roosevelt Stadium. So his first oh. game breaking the color barrier was a road game in Newark, in Jersey City. That is correct. Huh. It's like the first so, story of optimism I've ever heard out of Jersey City. <laughs> Usually, if you're going for like you know some sort of, there's a lot of good food down there, but I don't know if I want to start my career in Jersey City. Uh, well, you know, it, it, it depends on what the career is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, wasn't it there, there was a thing too? What's up, Pete? No, I said a restaurant tour. That's maybe a good career in Jersey City, right? Oh, <laughs> restaurant tour. I thought you said a restaurant tour. No, I, 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 I wonder what that was. 
wasn't sure if I wanted not, to go there. Not a tour of the restaurant. Okay. A restaurant tour. Anyway, go on. Um, so it was April 18th, 1946. Does anyone know when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in the major leagues? Uh, I don't have the exact date, unfortunately. I, KP? When did it to the, was it into the 50s? Robert, no, no. Earlier or yeah, later? Earlier than the 50s. In the 50s. No, it wasn't in the 50s. It was earlier oh. than the 50s. Oh, okay. Yeah. M M M Mr. Robinson, he, um, he broke the color barrier in the majors for the Brooklyn Dodgers on April 15th. 1947. So almost a year to the day, he broke the color barrier in the minor leagues. He actually broke it <laughs> in the majors with, with, with the Dodgers. But I don't know if he had the same day that he had in the minors, though. He actually, in this first game at Roosevelt Stadium, he had four RBIs, four runs scored, two stolen bases, Four hits and a three-run homer. <laughs> wow, it's a monster day! Yeah, scrub. Just a little bit. <laughs> in fact, in fact, um, if I, if I can bring up my uh, my info here, yeah, the, the, there was a great uh, uh, quote for. Um, oh, I gotta find it. Gotta find it. Gotta find it. Minor League Stadium. Jackie Robinson, and oh, um, by the way, there's a statue honoring Jackie Robinson near the Path Station in Jersey City. So, some people probably go there and wonder, you know, why is this here? You know, w w you know what what business does it have doing in Jersey City? Th this is the actual connection to that statue. See, that's but, interesting. Um, let's see, where, where was the, uh, the, the this great quote? While you're looking that up too, Nick, uh, they, yeah, yeah. they always said that one of the reasons that it was Jackie Robinson before Satchel Page for coming into the uh, breaking the color barrier, if you will, mm -hmm. they, uh, Page refused to play in the minors, and Jackie Robinson was willing to at least you know take the temporary demotion. Yes. So. Yeah, well, and, shit, and man. The, the, as we uh, move on, uh, KP, you're going to find there was somebody else too <laughs> that this happened to as well, besides Satchel. That that um, they wanted to bring right from the Negro Leagues to the majors, but uh, yeah, again, uh, J Jackie did the minor league stint and then uh, uh, jumped ahead. But oh, okay, th th there was a headline, and um, the, the, uh, they were talking about the the game. It's like uh, they they I couldn't dream up a better start. He did everything but usher, usher seats in the crowd. The newspaper had the best headline: "Jim Crow dies at second. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good headline! Oh yeah, yeah. oh the, the fantastic headline! And you know, it, can you imagine? This is the first day, and the the, the again, it's not the major league yet, but you still have this pressure uh, mounted against you. And well, what do you go do? Uh, three run homer, you know. <laughs> Four RBIs, four runs, a couple of stolen bases, sold popcorn. <laughs> Basically did it all in this first game. So, like, 
before making the mark in the majors, this was the big mark in the minors that had to be overcome. And uh, Jackie did it with a bang. Mm. Now, do do you know the person? uh, This one goes out to KP. Do you know the guy who signed Jackie Robinson to the Dodgers? Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, They talk about on Michael K all the time. Uh, It sounds like a drink. Michael Kine. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Michael Kane. <laughs> oh. oh, what is it? It's uh didn't First Harrison Ford like play? He's attached to a tree. That's uh it's weird when he gives me more hints and I get further away from it. <laughs> and no, his his name is not Groot. That's well what didn't Harrison Ford play him in the movie? I am um, oh was it I'm not sh- he might have, you know what? I didn't see you're talking about 42. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, what? I didn't see 42 yet, but I think you're right. I think Ford may have played the, the guy's name was Branch Ricky. <laughs> really? And you were correct, Harrison Ford did play him in 42. Oh, uh, thank you, Ming. Goddamn right. So, Br- Branch Ricky, he was the one that signed Jackie Robinson from the KC Monarchs. Also, you know, we, we, we mentioned them as well, but um, and I believe he did not give any compensation to the KC Monarchs. And this is going to come back again uh, multiple times and we'll see what happened because of that. So I want to go actually to some of the other players in the Negro Leagues and their connection to Jersey including our own Donald Newcomb. Uh, who knows anything about Donald Newcomb? Uh, heck of a player. That's about all I know. <laughs> yeah, th- there we go. Yes. <laughs> Ming Chen says, heck of a player. <laughs> um, I got so, nothing, so. Okay. Well, he's actually, he, he's, he's definitely one of ours. He was born in Madison. And raised in Elizabeth. He uh, attended actually Jefferson High School in Elizabeth. And being a great baseball player, um, Jefferson High School did not have a baseball team. (laughs) So he actually played semi-pro baseball while attending high school. Jesus. So you're saying he was good. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Kind of a Bo Jackson thing going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, Newcomb actually uh, played for the, the Newark Eagles in, uh, in the Negro Leagues. And, um, he, you know, he wound up, he just wound up playing in the majors. But there's a couple of uh, bumps in the road uh, beforehand. Uh, he also played uh where is it i believe he let's see he also played for the montreal uh, royals for uh, uh minors uh but branch ricky uh signed newcomb to to a contract as i said this is what he did with jackie robinson uh now the business manager for the eagles uh effa manley she agreed that, okay, yeah, you, you can sign him. And the Newark Eagles were not compensated 
for you know the the signing of Mr. Newcomb. But uh, he, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place here. So they stole him. Yeah, or you, less. You see, Brent Tricky was kind of good at this. <laughs> hmm. he's, a, he's a good. I had a good eye for talent for sure. Oh yeah. Oh, he definitely had a great eye for talent. But um, he he also played for the New England League. He he played for the Nashua Dodgers of the New England League, which was uh, a, a mid-level league in uh, American League American League minor baseball. That it, it played between 1886 and 1949 intermittently. So you know it, it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a good constant gig. But M M Mr. Newcomb, um, he finally yeah he debuted for Brooklyn in um, May of 1949, and became the third African American pitcher in major leagues after Dan Bankhead and uh, Satchel Paige, as you know the aforementioned uh, from uh, KP. Um, he actually immediately helped the Dodgers, uh, to the league pennant. He earned 17 victories, led the league in shutouts and pitched 32 consecutive scoreless innings. Wow. He was 32 consecutive, 32 consecutive scoreless innings. Jesus. How difficult is that? <laughs> well, it's a, uh, it's very, uh, I was thinking about it too. Cause, uh, was he a starter? I imagine, or yes. Okay. So. Back then, I mean, they were throwing more innings, but I mean, still, that's just insanity. Yeah, I think everyone was a starter back then. They're like, you're a wuss if you if you came out of a game back then, back in the 40s. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what, you lost your arm? Come on, you got another. Keep playing. But, um, yeah, so he you know, led the league in shutouts, 32 consecutive scoreless innings. Uh, he was among the first four black players to be named to an all-star team with – teammate Jackie Robinson, Roy Campanella, and the Indians, Larry Doby. Uh, Larry. Uh, Newcomb has some other um, distinctions here. Uh, he was named Rookie of the Year by the Sporting News and Baseball Writers Association of America. Then uh, he won, uh, in 1950, he won 19 games, 20 the following season, and led the league in strikeouts in 51. Um. Does anyone know about the game between the Brooklyn Dodgers and the the New York Giants with Bobby Thompson? Yes, and I can't remember why. Okay, well, there there was a memorable uh, playoff game between the D Dodgers and Giants at the end of the fifty one season. Newcomb was pitching a great game. He was relieved by Ralph Branca, or Ralph Branca in the bottom of the ninth inning. Um, Bronca surrendered. Uh, well, I think Bronca first got a guy to pop out. We'll get to him next. <laughs> well, memorable game. Well, for sure, for what, for how it ended. But yeah, keep going. And then uh, Bronca served up a walk-off home run to Bobby Thompson, known as the shot heard around the world. Here we go. <laughs> the Giants win the pennant. Yep, Giants win the pennant. <laughs> yes, yeah, the Giants win the pennant. Yeah, it's, it, it, uh, I think there was a great uh, mash episode with uh, with Klinger uh, about the sure thing. Uh, 
I don't know, I, I don't know if, uh, how many MASH fans we have out there, but uh, uh, yeah, th th there's a uh, great one that references the whole uh, Bobby Thompson shot heard around the world. Yeah, Mike Zapsik, where are you? He's a yeah, yeah, Mike, <laughs> call in yeah. quick. Uh, yeah, very memorable game, though. So now uh, he, he had done uh, he had to do some military duty during the Korean War. Speaking of MASH, uh, came back and had uh, a so-so uh, season in 1954, going uh, nine and eight with a 4.55 earn run average. But then next year, uh, he finished second in the National League, wins ERA with uh, a 20 and five uh, win loss and 3.20 ERA, and the Dodgers won the, their first World Series. Now you you think he's had you know some pretty good stats, some you know pretty good uh, accomplishments. He had a better season in '56. He went 27 and seven, 130, 139 strikeouts and a 3.06 ERA, five shutouts, 18 complete games, led the league in win percentage for the second year in a row. So that year, Mr. Newcomb actually wound up winning the National League MVP and was awarded the first ever. Anyone want to guess it? Uh, I guess, yeah, it would probably be the Cy Young Award, I imagine. I was just about to say that. Yep. <laughs> Word of God, I was. Donald yeah. Newcomb, first recipient of the Cy Young Award, given to the best pitcher in the, the combined major leagues. So, now, think about this. This guy comes in. He He's won the MVP. He's won the Cy Young Award. Andy was rookie of the year. Has anyone ever done that? It was a different sort of triple crown. Yes, it was a different, uh, different sort of triple crown. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. We oh. have lived in the, the, the four of us have lived in the era of the next player to do it. Nolan Ryan. How long ago that was? If you give us a year, I can we can start guessing players, yeah. I guess, right? Um how about you just go nine years ago? <laughs> nine years ago. That's how long it's taken for someone to accomplish the same feat. Uh to take a stab at who it was. Because you said so it's a Cy Young winner, an MVP, and rookie of the year. Right. Again, it doesn't have to be all in the same year. Oh, but, okay. Uh, all right. Okay, okay. Picture that to one all three. And I oh, say I haven't seen any other uh, players, uh, position players, win this Cy Young yet. So until that happens. <laughs> a Yankee pitcher? Nope. Not a no. Yankee pitcher. Yankee killer. I want to say maybe Roy Halladay? So, so we're talking no. American League then possibly. It is an American League pitcher. You're, you're, you're right on this, uh, Ming. Oh, shit. Is it Pedro? Nope, 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 nope. I'm out of shit then. <laughs> uh, Verlander? You've hit the nail on the head, Justin Ming. Verlander, all right. Justin Verlander. Nice. Yeah, he, he won Rookie of the Year in 2006, and then he won Cy Young and MVP. So, you know, by the time he got all three, it was 2011. So, yeah, Mr. Newcomb uh, did that much, much earlier. But um, in the 1956 World Series, though, even after having a great regular season, 
he had a little bit of a difficult time, though, um, especially against a man named Yogi Berra. <laughs> ah, another Jersey kid. Yep. Yeah, another, right. another another uh, Jersey tie-in. So uh, in game two, Yogi hit a grand slam off Newcomb in the top of the second inning. <laughs> Newcomb <laughs> was so frustrated, he left the ballpark while the game was still going and, 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 and assaulted a, a parking lot attendant <laughs> outside of Ebbets oh. Field. <laughs> oh, man. Was he, was he selling illegal T-shirts, though, that attendant? Well, yeah, you, you never know. Yeah, they deserve it. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, Mr. Newcomb was the losing pitcher in Game 7. Um, go back to Mr. Berra again. Uh, Yogi uh, hit three home runs off of him in the series, two of them in Game 7. <laughs> yeah. He had wow. his number then. Yogi Berra just totally... Yeah. He, uh, he saw the ball very well coming off of uh, Mr. Newcomb's hand. And uh, yeah, killed him. Yeah, un- un- unfortunately. And after that, yeah, his, his career wasn't as great after that. You know, he um, went off to the Cincinnati Reds. He 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 kind of had a middling career with them. Then he was uh, sold off to Cleveland, uh, which he only had a two and three mark. And um, you know, you're not doing good when you're back in Ohio. <laughs> Sorry, Ming. <laughs> okay. And he and uh, actually, uh, Newcomb actually even played professional baseball in Japan with uh, the uh, Chunichi Dragons of the the, the Nippon uh, Professional uh, Baseball Central League, but he only played there uh, one season. But the strange thing was. <laughs> he split time as an outfielder and a first baseman and only pitched in one game. Oh, man. But the crazy thing was, Newcomb was actually a good hitter. As a pitcher, usually in baseball, you know, particularly like in the National League, uh, you know, pitchers aren't, you know, like good hitters. But um, he kind of was pretty good and would be actually used as a pinch hitter. He batted 271. It's the ninth best average in history amongst pitchers. About two, 271, you said? Lifetime batting average? Lifetime batting average, 271. Uh, pretty good for a pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> 15 home runs, 108 ribbies, 238 hits, 33 doubles, three triples, and 94 runs scored. And hell, throw in eight stolen bases while we're at it. That's insane, Just, especially now with um... – interleague play that when you see uh you can be a pitcher that can hit i mean that's like in, a, in an era before like specialists and stuff like that i remember being out in right. wrigley field and seeing uh carlos zambrano go yard oh, oh yeah in a game where he was pitching i think he had a shutout for like five innings and then mm-hmm. um then he struck out in his next at bat and um broke the bat over his leg and then got taken out the next inning because he couldn't <laughs> pitch anymore <laughs> yeah. that guy was great you, you, you see, one of his uh, one of his heroes was Bo Jackson, and uh, yeah, Bo can do that. <laughs> Zambrano, it's not Zambrano knows uh, uh, breaking bats; it's Bo knows. Absolutely, it's, they used to sell T-shirts at Wrigley that would say uh, "Zambrano's my paisano." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Wrigley's wild man. They were uh, it's a good baseball town. Now, un- un- unfortunately. 
throughout his uh, career, there's one thing that Newcomb did deal with. He dealt with alcoholism. Um, yeah, he, he he even described himself as a stupefied, wife, ab- wife abusing, child frightening, fallen down drunk. Oof, good thing I'm not married, otherwise I'd have something in common with him. The wife beating that's bad, but the the child scaring, the child, yeah, scaring, child frightening, falling down drunk, child frightening. I don't yeah. know a lot of. Uh, I mean, I know a few guys, I guess, but not a lot of guys I would describe as child frightening. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, he he described himself that way. That that's how bad he was, and it, it even got so bad. In '65, <laughs> he pawned his World Series ring so he could buy alcohol. Oh my god! Yeah, that's desperation right there. But, but thankfully, in '66, he uh, what you will he quit drinking. And he wound up helping numerous other uh, people, including military personnel and also even his Dodgers teammate, Maury Wills, in uh, their own uh, battles against substance abuse. And in fact, uh, President Barack Obama actually referred to Newcomb as uh, someone who helped America become what it is. And it's like, I would not be here if it were not for Jackie and if it weren't for Don Newcomb. So, you know, he, he became – he wasn't just a good player, which he he was a pretty freaking great player, but he became a great person, and, you know, he, he was uh, acknowledged in that uh, speech. And he only died last year. Whoa. 19, at the age of 92. Yeah, I was going to say he must have been very old then. He went under the radar then. Definitely. Yeah. And – he he holds besides that distinction of the you know the first player to win that other triple crown in '49 he was the first black pitcher to start a World Series game he was he was the first black pitcher to win 20 games in a season and of course you know the first Cy Young winner Jesus so yeah you know, we we have some good um, baseball players uh, coming from Jersey. So did, did did any of you guys know about uh, Don Newcomb or? I, I mean, not that much for sure. So yeah. uh, definitely underrated. You know, you don't you don't hear mm-hmm. his name come up a lot. Um, even even in the pantheon of pitching and baseball, uh, I you know you uh, you know you have your Sandy Colfaxes and uh, you know other great pitch. You know, Satchel Page comes up way more than he does. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you for enlightening us, though. Uh, and, yeah, definitely a great definitely a great baseball player. Oh, definitely and. Yeah, I, I figured being that we used him last week in our um, our game of Jersey not Jersey, I figured let, let, let's talk a little about a, a little bit about him, especially since he ties in well with this subject. Does Newcomb uh, into Hall of Fame or no? Now that is the strange thing. The uh, what I have as when I looked up his thing there, he doesn't show as Hall of Fame. He shows up, if I can find the uh, thing here, he, he was inducted into, the, into baseball's uh, recolo- rec- reliquaries Shrine of the Eternals in 2016. <laughs> what the hell is the Shrine of the Eternals? Where is the reliqua Shrine of the Eternals? I have no freaking clue. Kind of it doesn't have anything to do with the with the MCU. I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Pete, uh, you know, his win loss record is uh, 149 and 90. So, you know, not nearly up not, to, you know, like the 300 win column of most right. uh, like baseball right. Hall of Famers. And um, yeah, although he does have a ring. So, you know, that's usually not a requirement, but it doesn't it doesn't hurt. But I think uh, uh, lifetime ER three, five, six, not bad. But uh, I think um, fall short, fall, fall just slightly short, but definitely not yeah. in history, though. In, uh, historically, uh, yeah, he's a great pitcher. Right. Well, I'm going to jump now to our next subject. Monty Irvin. Does anyone know Monty Irvin? Now, that name has more of a ring to it than Newcomb, so at least people have heard of Monty Irvin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do, do you know his full name? C. Montgomery Burns Irvin. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> Irvin. What is it? Smithers by that man of coke. Um, now it's Monford Merrill Monty Irvin. <laughs> what Monford and Sons? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, that was his side group. <laughs> Tell us a little um, bit. Well, m- m- Mr. Irvin, uh, he actually was uh, born in Haleburg, Alabama. Uh, eighth of 13 children, but then his family moved to Orange, New Jersey. So, Orange. Yep. Orange, New Jersey. Wild. Okay. Um, in high school, he was a four-sport star, and he set the state record in the javelin throw. He, he uh, also played baseball for the Orange Triangles, uh, a local semi-pro team. So, you hear a little of this happening with some of the players in the Negro leagues that, well, okay, if the high school didn't have a team, well, you know what? I could also play for semi-pro league. Not saying that Monty didn't have a high school team because he was a high school four sports star, but just happened to also play for a semi-pro team. And the orange triangles have nothing to do with my former uh, <laughs> um, employer, Sika. <laughs> Look up the logo. But uh, he was also even offered a football scholarship to University of, University of Michigan. Wow. All right. Should have taken it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a reason he couldn't take it. He didn't have enough money to move to, <laughs> to, to Ann Arbor. Yeah. They should have taken care of that, but it's all right. It all it um worked out. <laughs> yeah, it worked out for him. There's yeah, still some NCAA shit going on like that to this day too, where there's a kid that has to stay home because he can't. Um, he's nervous about having to afford room and board. Yeah. Well, also I do love a good bad name, the triangles. That's that's about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope there's a local reference to that or something, but. Yes. Yeah. They, they played in the geometric league. You know. Yeah, yeah the, the, the rhombus is coming to town next week. Oh, Lord. I was hoping it was a traffic thing or something. I was trying to picture um, what would be like that if, if there was a team called the Jersey Turnpikes, would we be supportive or uh, disgusted by it? <laughs> well, you know, if we're going to shapes, it might be more appropriate to have the Jersey jug handles. But, um... <laughs> but so, so he couldn't go to uh, University of Michigan, so he uh, attended Lincoln University and became a star football player. So, um, 
but there's he had some problems. He had some disagreements with his coach, and he also found out he couldn't remain on athletic scholarship and keep pursuing his studies in pre-dentistry. Pre-dentistry. So, yeah, yeah. So, so Monty also wanted to be a dentist. Huh. <laughs> sort of like Herbie. <laughs> Um, so, so yes, he, he, he was a misfit as well. Um, so he got so frustrated. He was recruited by Negro league teams and wound up playing for the Newark Eagles of the Negro national league. Want to guess his double play partner at KP? Uh, let's see. No. <laughs> <laughs> You got me beat here, dude. Your research is uh, is next level. You, you 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 mentioned him before. You've mentioned him a few times. Yeah, you did a report on him. No shit, Larry Doby. Okay, Larry oh, Doby. Yeah. See how Ming spoon feeds me so I can succeed, Nick. Do you see how Ming just slowly airplane foods the spoon into my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh God. Well, yeah, he he was a hell of a player. He, in 42, uh, I'm sorry, in 40 and 41, 40, he hit 422. In 41, he hit 396. Jesus Christ. In 42, he decided, hey, mind if I can get a raise? And he was denied. (laughs) Oh, the owners were bastards about that stuff. Yes, they were. So... You know, being that he was denied, he got frustrated again and decided to leave the Negro Negro Leagues and headed to the Mexican League, where he won a triple crown. The 397 batting average, to, uh, 20 home runs. Uh, it didn't put I, I didn't see the third part, but this was only in uh, 63 games uh, that they played in the Mexican League. Um, but uh, following the Mexican League, though, he actually was drafted into WW2, World War II, and joined the Army's... Uh, do, do you know the, what the GS engineers mean, uh, uh, KP? GS engineers. Um, the 13th, 13th. See, I don't. My, my grandfather was uh, U.S. Army combat engineers, but uh, I don't think I've ever heard of the GS ones. Yeah, so, so uh, wh- whoever's out there, you, you might want to look this one up for us. I didn't uh, get time to look this one up, but yeah, he was... 13th Battalion, and um, for the next three years, he got deployed to England, France, and Belgium, where uh, when he was uh, stationed there, he served in a particular uh, pretty well-known battle. (laughs) Want to take a stab at that one? (laughs) You said over in Belgium? Yeah. Uh, Sounds like it could be the Ardennes. Also known as? Battle of the Bulge. Battle yeah. of the Bulge. <laughs> you are correct. Yeah, Grandpa Marty was over there. He got a uh, – that was his bronze star and his purple heart, I think, came uh, within, like, weeks of each other over there. Wow. Huh. Yeah, it was uh, – they, they, this guy saw some shit if he was there. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely saw some shit. And when he was over there, he had a realization that, like, well, you know – Early on, a lot of the, the black soldiers were treated badly by their white counterparts. But as things progressed, 
and the, the, the white soldiers realized the, the whole contradiction that an, an oppressed group being, you know, the, you know, the African-American, uh, you know, uh, soldiers being sent to Europe to fight for oppressed people in other countries. And it's like, wait, hold on. You know, we, we got a little, we got to be a little better to these guys. So his, his situation improved at, you know, like the, the more time he had spent over, uh, while deployed in Europe. Thank, thank you, Matthew, by the way, for letting us know uh, about uh, uh, the, the uh, GS, uh, what it stood for. What was it? Well, uh, Matthew Jordan said it's GS is the engineer code for the military. Oh, excellent. Thank you, Matthew. I think it's also government employee now that, uh, that that's their rankings, that when you, you can be a GS-7 or something like that. So oh, that, uh, Okay. Got it. Got That's it. more of a modern spin on it. It's probably not what it meant back then. I think. Uh, and and, and what, what was your designation, KP, for uh, Navy? Oh, in the in the Navy, I was a whole maintenance technician. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I made E five before I got out, but that was E five. Uh, that, that's what it was. Yeah, we were known as the turd chasers. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, on the flip side, you you were offered actually. What 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 did they wanted uh, you to uh, go into? Well, they, they <laughs> that's what's terrifying about the military sometimes as much as uh, I support it. I, uh, I took the ASFAB, which is like their SAT test, and mm -hmm. um, I scored high enough to, to work in uh, nuclear engineering. And uh, oh, they, wow. they were offering a big bonus for it. And I was like, I don't think you guys understand how many times I went to summer school. This is not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, though, in, in WW2, uh, I, I'm guessing, you know, they were a little more, not to say desperate, but hey, you know what knowledge you have, you know we'll use it, and yeah. So, but but yeah, not taking anything away from Monty though, yeah, you know, he, he he probably was uh, he he probably kicked a lot of ass <laughs> as, as an engineer. Uh, but there 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 was a downside though besides the obvious one for fighting in World War II. Uh, his military service left him with a ringing in the ears, which afterwards kind of affected his coordination. Oh, shit. I didn't even think of that. That, that but, would probably throw off everything. You can't even hear the Astros banging the trash cans, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice one. Well, after World War II, though, he was approached by the Brooklyn Dodgers Mr. Branch Rickey about being signed right into the majors. Oh. Now, if this is true, the, the timing, they don't say the year of this, but this could have preceded Jackie Robinson. But Branch Rickey felt he was not ready to play at that level so soon after leaving service. And again, given that, you know, the problem that he uh, gained from fighting in the war with the ring in the ears, he decided instead to return to the Newark Eagles. So now let, let's go back to Mr. Ricky a second. As I said, he, he signed Jackie Robinson from um, the KC Monarchs of the Negro League. And then Donald Newcomb he signed from the Newark Eagles. He, he then attempted to re-sign him again but um, 
Remember I mentioned that Newark Eagles business owner, uh, Effa Manley? She she said no because she, she refused to allow him to leave the club without compensation. That's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Assets, man, assets. Yeah, you can't poach players like that. So, 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 so again, yeah, he, he kind of got screwed over for <laughs> the, uh, Monty Irvin because of uh, what Brent Rickey kept doing, that he would, you know, basically pick these players from the Negro Leagues and not compensate the teams they came from. So, yeah. actually, Effa uh, Manley threatened to sue Ricky in court, so that's what stopped him from pursuing him. So, what happened later is uh, Monty Irvin would actually sign with the New York Giants. Hmm. So, a- after... Um, doing a stint actually in the uh, Puerto Rican Winter League. And uh, he returned to the Eagles in 46 to lead the uh, team to the pennant. And the actual, um, they won the World Series versus the Kansas City Monarchs. Who who was pitching for them again? KP. There's a lag in here, guys. I don't know what's going on. Are we still hear you? We, we, uh, we hear you. I, I know. I just don't. I don't know the answer. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> like well, you're, you're breaking up. You're breaking up. <laughs> you did an episode on this guy, Satchel Page. Yep. There you so, go. Uh, that or Benedict Arnold. So. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have to excuse me too. There, there's a girl I went to high school with that's doing uh, yoga on Instagram Live right now. So it's, it's. <laughs> I'm here, but it's this, there's some compelling competition. So understood, understood. You can multitask. But uh, anyway, Ir- Irvin uh, batted four four sixty two with three home runs in the uh, World Series in the Negro League World Series, uh, leading them to to the uh, to the championship. So from there, in '49, finally he made it to the majors. The New York Giants paid. For Irvin's contract this time. <laughs> no thanks to Branch Rickey of the uh, Dodgers. So he got assigned to... Let's re- Remember we were talking about um, Jersey City earlier? He was assigned to Jersey City of the International League. As, as we talked about, <laughs> the, the Giants minor league team played in Jersey City. And he... Would this be uh, at Roosevelt Field? Or? What's that? Was that at Roosevelt Field? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm paying some attention, guys. <laughs> then he uh, debuted with the New York, uh, the New York Giants, on July 8, 1949, as a pinch hitter. He he then went back to the minors and then was called up in 1950. Uh, after uh, doing a pretty good job with the uh, the minor leagues, where he was hitting 510 with 10 home runs in 18 games. And wound up batting 299 for the New York Giants, playing first base in outfield. And in 1951, Irvin sparked the Giants' miraculous comeback to overtake the Dodgers in the pennant race, batting 312 with 24 homers and a league best 121 runs batted in. Um, did we mention this again? Uh, the third game of the playoff uh, be- between the Giants and the Dodgers, um, Irvin was up to bat and 
popped out in the bottom of the ninth, and a guy called Bobby Thompson <laughs> followed him. Yeah, I seem to recall this from earlier in the episode. Yes, sir. Again, th th this all has a very strange – they all tie in together very strangely, and both at the Negro Leagues, the minor leagues, and the major leagues. So uh, that year, Irvin teamed with uh, Hank Thompson and Willie Mays to form the first black, all-black outfield in the majors and finished third in National League MVP voting. It's a hell of an outfield for sure. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? That, 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 that is an incredible outfield. Yeah, he also served as a mentor for Willie Mays. And after a couple of years, though, uh, Irvin said uh, that uh, after a couple of years, I, I did that for two years. Third year, he started showing me around <laughs> with Willie Mays. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, they say, hey, kid, uh, was a pretty popular guy. Uh, unfortunately, in f 52, he jammed his ankle uh, at third base sliding, but he still he, he made the Major League All-Star game in 52. Then uh, he, he wound up hitting 329 with 21 home runs, 97 ribbies in 53, finishing 15th in MVP voting. But he didn't make the All-Star team that year for some reason. Uh, he, uh, what, what you'll call it the following season, he, he did pretty well, 262, 19 home runs, 64 ribbies, and the Giants won the pennant and faced the Cleveland Indians in the World Series in 54. And he was in left field when Willie Mays playing center made the catch <laughs> in the game catch. one. The catch. Mm. The Giants went on to win that series, and uh, so yeah, we we have some 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 pretty good players here that we're uh, going through. But um, he he wound up uh, going back down to the minors, up and down. He went off to the Cubs, and um, unfortunately, he had a back injury that led to his retirement in '57. But in 73, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, primarily, though, on the basis of his play in the Negro Leagues, although he had some pretty impressive stats as we went over in the majors. Now, we talked about um, Orange Park, uh, um, Oval Park, uh, Orange, New Jersey. It was uh, renamed Monty Irvin Park in his honor. And October 19th, 2016, uh, a statue of Irvin was dedicated in Monty Irvin Park. I think Larry Doby has a field in South Orange, too, doesn't he? I think so. Um, actually, we're going to get to him now. Um, he was he was born, Larry Doby, he was born in South Carolina, Camden, South Carolina, but moved to Patterson with his mom at 14. Mm -hmm. And... Just like Monty Irvin, he was a multi-sport athlete as well. He uh, played baseball, football, basketball, and lettered in track. And th th this is a, an interesting story. Eastside, the uh, the high school in Patterson where he played, the uh, after winning the the state championship in football, 
Eastside was invited to play in Florida for, for a uh, special game, but promoters of the game wouldn't let Dobie play. So what happened is the Eastside uh, team decided to forego the trip in support of Dobie. I like that shit, man. That's always yeah. good. Yeah. You gotta love like a, a good story like that. That you know, we need some actual feel good stories nowadays. And uh, there is a Larry Doby Field in Patterson, New Jersey, KP. Patterson. There it is. Yes, wow. yes. Uh, and, and in fact, there, there, there is a uh, there is a statue of uh, Larry Doby uh, at that one, and we'll, we'll get to that one in, in a short bit. But um, on summer vacation, while you know, with high school, he played baseball with a semi-pro team, the Smart Sets, and he also had a brief stint with the Harlem Renaissance pro basketball team as an unpaid substitute. So um, from there, he wound up, uh, he accepted a scholarship to play at uh, Long Island University in uh, Brooklyn to play basketball. So, so our star baseball player decided to go play basketball at Long Island University. One of the reasons he stayed close, you know, like Long Island wasn't too far was he had been dating a girl from Patterson, Helen Kirby, since sophomore year of uh, high school and wanted to stay close. So, but before enrolling in, in college, he just, he accepted an offer to play for the Newark Eagles of the Negro League. So, uh, he, he played in 19, on May 31st, 1942, he played his first professional game when the Eagles played against the New York Cubans at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> you, you give me one more layer of this, and I'm going to have to spin a top on a table to make sure it falls over. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as with all uh, players, as we've uh, noted here, his career was interrupted by service. Want to get what branch uh, he uh, uh, went into uh, KP? Well, you're asking me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna guess Navy. You are correct. Yep. <laughs> so, while while uh, in the Navy, when doing his training, he was also part of an all black baseball squad that played against white teams, and uh, did pretty well. He, he himself compiled a uh, 342 average while while playing, and uh, while in the while. Um, Let's see the name of the place at Ulithi in the Pacific. I think that's how you pronounce this place. Leyte Gulf. L E Y T E. No, U L I T H I. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's a misheard you then. No, no, it's okay. Uh, while over there, he heard about Jackie Robinson's minor league contract and gained hope that maybe someday he'll make the majors. And um, while he was in Hawaii, he met Mickey Vernon. On contract with the Washington Senators, Senators, and uh, Vernon uh, contacted uh, the owner of the Senators, Clark Griffith, encouraging them to sign Dobie if the major league would ever allow integration. <laughs> so you know he went on after uh, after his military service. Though he played uh, some, uh, yeah, he played for San Juan in Puerto Rico and then rejoin the Eagles. And uh, with the Eagles and Monty Irvin went on to win the championship 
uh, against the KC Monarchs, as we've gone over, I think, three times already. <laughs> I yeah, think but- it's cool to think about with them, too, that uh, these guys are able to – they bounce around like crazy, but this is instead of having to have a, a, a shitty – job that a lot of the African-Americans were forced to take during the time period. So it's, it's true that that is the mixtape of its day, if you will. Mm-hmm. No, good way to cheat the system. Oh, great, great way. And um, now we, we mentioned the uh, senators, but the Cleveland Indians themselves, uh, the team president, Bill Veek, proposed integrating baseball way back in 1942. Um, but he got rejected by the, uh, commissioner. You want to guess the commissioner's name, KP? Not Comiskey. No. Um, no, I, this comes from another episode of American loser. It's the guy from uh, the black Sox. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, his name escaped. As soon as we started talking about this one, I wanted uh, to Google it. But... Mountain Landis. There it is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <Kennesaw> Mountain Landis. <laughs> If you ever want to <laughs> see see an imposing figure, get, pick up, uh, take a picture of uh, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, and again, listen to the American Loser episode of Shoeless Joe Jackson and the and the Chicago Black Sox. Ah, oh, thank you, man. That's <laughs> so. Uh, Veek actually had begun the process trying to find a um, a, a young uh, player, talented player from the Negro League. From the Negro Negro leagues, like God, I can't speak. I got it. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's someone that could basically handle it because knowing what was going to happen, all the taunts and the pressure that would uh, happen, and um, he was talking to a reporter, and the reporter actually suggested Dobie, who um, who uh, Vic had actually seen at Great Lakes Naval Training School, <laughs> going back to the Navy. <laughs> Great mistakes, we called it. Yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but um, unlike Branch Ricky, um, Veek actually used a different strategy, letting Dobie remain with the Eagles in the Negro League instead of, instead of bringing him into the Indians' uh, minor leagues into the farm system. So uh, now Miss Manley, Effa Manley, we, we mentioned her, the manager for the Eagles. She thought the, their, um, the Newark Eagles had a very close relationship with the New York Yankees and they thought they might put Dobie in a Yankees uniform. Uh, that would have been cool. But the Yankees didn't take interest in him. So Veek swooped in and finalized a, uh, a deal with Dobie on July 3rd and uh, paid her a total of $15,000 for her second baseman. Now, um, do do you know the date that uh, Dobie started in the majors, KP? Not off the top. I'm terrible with dates. I know stories, just never dates. Okay. Um, Well, we know that Jackie Robinson started on April 15th, 1947. A couple months later, on July 5th, 1947, with the Indians in Chicago on a road trip, he made his debut as the second black baseball player after Robinson, but the first in the American League. And for that um, for that uh, year, for his rookie year, 
He only hit, though, 156 in 29 games. Oof. I think averages are important for that, too, because you were saying everybody else had, like, in the fours almost. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I always think about it in terms of comedy. Like, if I'm on stage and every, uh, like, every if three out of every 10 jokes I tell gets a laugh, that's a terrible set, but that's a Hall of Fame baseball player. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good analogy. Yeah. Pete, imagine uh, imagine you got booed for uh, the rest of your songs, but for three of them, the crowd listened. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to hang it up. Uh... Uh, meanwhile, well, baseball. In, in, in 48, though, um, he, he experienced spring training with the Indians. And um, unfortunately, like uh, his, his white teammates, uh, Doby, along with – Satchel Page and Minnie Minoso, they were not permitted to stay at uh, the Santa Rita Hotel. Instead, they had to stay with a local black family and uh, y- use a rental car provided by the Indians for transportation. So they get so, better food that way. I'll tell you that much, though. Better than hotel food. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know? Oh, that's true. That's true. But yeah, 48, he uh, came to the majors and. 121 games, hit 301 for the season, 14 homers, 66 ribbies. And he played a major role in uh, Cleveland's World Series victory against the Boston Braves. In game four on October 9th, Doby became the first player, first black player in World Series history to do, I'll put it out to the uh, group here, what did he do? I'm at a loss. Any guesses? Any guesses? Any guesses? Negative. No. No. Mr. Doby became the first player, first black player in the World Series history to hit a home run. (laughs) Game four, October 9th. Wow. So there's, there's a picture featuring an embrace between Doby and his white teammate, uh, Steve Gromick, who had uh, the, the day, uh, what you call it, that day he had a complete game. It was on uh, the cover of the next day's, um, the paper was The Plain Dealer. And uh, Richard Goldstein of the New York Times called the photograph a signature moment in the integration of Major League Baseball. And Doby himself said, the picture was more rewarding and, and happy for me than actually hitting the home run. The picture finally showed a moment of a man showing his feelings for me. Oh, so I bet he wants cool. to reword that one. What's that? Uh, whoever's talking, go first. I'll, I'll show you. My dog's being an asshole in the background. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, what, what did you say, uh, KP? They have to go take care of his dog. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no problem. I, I, I thought he was saying uh, something about uh, the, the, the picture. But uh, that World Series, the Indians beat the Braves in six games. And uh, so, you know, Doby, you know, in his first World Series won and had a 318 batting average during the series. Impressive. And after the series, wait, is, is, is KP back or? He's coming back, don't worry. Yeah, yeah he's, he said his dog is going nuts. So oh, okay. <laughs> he's handling that. Well, I'll, I'll fill him in afterwards. Okay. But- but after the series, Doby received a celebratory parade in Patterson. Uh, wow. And uh, during the offer season, 
during the offseason, he, along with uh, other teammates, appeared in the 1949 film The Kid from Cleveland. So, um, you know, get, getting back to Patterson, you know, they threw him a parade. Everything was all, you know, great. And uh, now he had all this additional income. So he and his wife tried to buy a, a home in Patterson in an all-white neighborhood, but were kept out by petition from members of the community. Oh, God. Yeah. But they were allowed to make their purchase when the Patterson mayor himself intervened on their behalf. Good for him. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Th th thankfully, you know, like uh, uh, calmer heads prevailed there, and uh, yeah, the, the the mayor got things done. So, in the 1949 season, Dobie was selected to his first All Star game, and he was uh, one of five Indians selected, and joined Jackie Robinson. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, he was one of five Indians selected and joined Jackie Robinson, Roy Campanella, Don Newcomb as the first black players to be amongst those uh, chosen to participate in the All-Star game. Hmm. In uh, 50, he was uh, named as the Cleveland Baseball Man of the Year after the season. And uh, it, it was the first time a black player was chosen. He came in eighth also in uh, American League MVP voting. Uh, now, he, he, even though his uh, you know, following up, his home runs and RBIs went down a little bit, his betting average increased, but the, the, um, the home run production and RBI production uh, was starting to be attributed uh, uh, to, uh, uh, yeah, excuse me, I can't speak, God, um, injuries. So actually in 52... Dobie actually had Harrison Dillard, a track and field star, help him prepare his legs to prevent injuries uh, for the season. So for that season, he finished with 32 home runs and 104 uh, runs scored and a 5-4-1 slugging percentage. So, oh, so it worked. It, it did help. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, his leg injuries would plague him throughout his career. Um. What you call it? He uh, was a uh, an all star again in '54, and he had a pinch hit home run in the uh, in the eighth. That was the first home run hit by a black player in an all star game. Oh, KP is back. You know it. Okay. Uh, so uh, what what you missed is uh, the the parade in Patterson for uh, Mr. Doby. And then um, when he and his wife tried to buy a house uh, in an all-white neighborhood, <laughs> they petitioned, but the uh, mayor intervened. Did uh, Did you say which town it was? Because I know obviously Patterson. One. Patterson is an all-white town. That's that's a throwback, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little, a little bit. Oh man, crazy! Got to be a white part of town, I guess, or what? Yeah, yeah, it was a white uh, part of town that the Dobies were trying to buy a house in. Oh, that's absurd. It's. All right. Well, uh, I'm, is that him? I'm, I'm caught up then. I apologize. It's uh, you can actually hear my dog uh, eating his bowl of food in the back right now. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's like it's soothing meditation. Yeah, it sounds. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, also, it sounds like uh, uh, when the alien catches one of the colonial marines. <laughs> ice hookers, the, the, the new face mask in in today's age. Uh, today's day and age. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I also uh, 
let let uh, let them know uh, he was a Cleveland Baseball Man of the Year and eighth in MVP vote in, in uh, 1950, and then started having leg injuries, unfortunately, afterwards. But he I had heard, a I heard that part. Star. Yeah, uh, I was I was in back I was back in for the legs. Okay, so you were back for the legs. Got it. And then uh, for for the first uh, home run hit by a black player in the All Star game, that was Larry Doby in 1954. Then uh, 55 was his last year with the Indians and seventh consecutive All-Star selection. But then uh, he, he was traded to the White Sox afterwards. Now, Larry Doby was known as a very quiet guy. He, he, he was not a very outspoken, excitable guy. Um, so what happened was some people started considering him controversial um, on the Indians because he was always morose and sullen. So, yeah, Doby himself uh, uh, said, you know, like, because of also the, all the pressure that fell on him, he said, I was looked on as a black man, not as a human being. I, I, I felt a responsibility to the black players who came after me, but that was a responsibility basically to people, not just to black people. So this guy, you know, he comes into the league, you know, he's got all this pressure, even though he was the second guy, but first in the American League, and was a quiet guy to begin with. But, yeah, it, it, it was a bit hard for uh, Larry. Uh, so now, he, you know, he, as I said, he went to the White Sox, and in uh, August 20th, uh, against, uh, in 57, against the Washington Senators, Doby helped preserve a no-hitter with a backhand catch off a long line drive. And so Bob Keenan got the no-hitter. After 57, he got traded back to the Indians for a year. And then he got traded off to the Tigers for 58 season, then back to the White Sox. So uh, yeah, so things after you know, words, uh, they weren't so good because... Um, they they uh, got it. I'm sorry. Uh, they got an X-ray of his ankle, and it was showing bone deterioration in 1960. So he tried out for uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, not the hockey team, but an actual international league uh, baseball team, but got released because of that. So basically, he finished up his major league uh, career at that point. And um, he joined Don Newcomb playing in Japan for a year in 1962. From there, he went on. Um, he became a scout with the Expos, a minor league instructor, and a batting coach. And, uh, he also managed teams for uh, Winter League Baseball in Venezuela. And he rejoined the Indians back in 74 as first base coach. Then uh, for, for the uh, the manager at the time was uh, Ken uh, Aspermonte, and Aspermonte got fired after the '74 season. So Doby was hoping to actually you know, possible get the promotion, but instead the Indians went with a guy named Frank Robinson <laughs> as as baseball's first black manager. So he unfortunately. Because of this, he left back for the Expos after that. So, um, yeah, he went back and forth 
with um with the White Sox, the Expos, and the Indians. And uh, the, he actually uh, in well, let's see, where was it? 1978, June 30th, he actually got to be manager of the White Sox after Bob Lemon <laughs> was let go. D- d- does anyone remember Bob Lemon? Uh, not, not, nothing stands out about Bob Lemon. Uh, is there anything of significant note from Bob Lemon? Old Bob Lemon sounds very familiar. That name, yeah, it does sound familiar. Uh, how about you, KP? Negative, uh, former Yankees coach Bob oh. Lemon. Uh, remember those late 70s? Besides well, Billy, I was born Martin, in 87, Nick. Okay, I was born in 1987. <laughs> I know, but yeah. you're a Yankees fan, so you have to go back to the <laughs> when I was your age, but, but um, between Billy Martin firings, yeah, Bob Lemon was the coach. No shit. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but unfortunately, after becoming the second black manager, again, coming in second, uh, he was not rehired after that and returned uh, as batting coach. He went on then uh, from, from there, actually joined the uh, New Jersey Nets as director of communications. <laughs> so li- li- little swerve there. Oh, versatile. What yep. failed franchise has this guy not been associated know, right? with? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he was named special assistant to the American League's last president, Gene Budig, in 1995. And as I said, well, hey, last president of the uh, American League. Well, yeah, that went away as well. So, uh, yeah, and uh, let's see, we have a little uh thing here about uh in 2007, uh, Scoop Jackson, uh, in response to the tradition of major league players wearing jerseys in homage of uh Jackie Robinson, yeah, second place finishers in America are suckers, and. And so are those who make the story of history less simple than it needs to be. This happens sometimes in America. Those who don't come first or don't do things don't do things a certain way get lost. They disappear. So yeah, basically he was speaking about Larry Doby. <laughs> how he, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle being the second guy in 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 a few different ways. So um Larry Doby, though, you know, he had his uh, number retired by Cleveland, and he was elected finally into the uh, Hall of Fame March 3rd, 1998, by the Veterans Committee at the age of 74. But um, although he was the first to play in the Major League uh, in the MLB, he was the last member elected to the Hall of the four players ever to play in a Negro League and Major League World Series. The others were Satchel Page, Monty Irvin, and Willie Mays. So again, Larry Doby got looked over many times, even though he was an incredible player and really good guy. <laughs> Just a bit quiet. But as you, you mentioned before, uh, Ming, um, uh, where, where is it? In... I'm just trying to find Eastside 
uh, baseball field, Eastside Park baseball field. Yeah, they renamed it Larry Doby Field, 2002. And um, right now, the Yogi Berra Muse Museum and Learning Center has a section named, uh, well, they have a Larry Doby wing. And um, and of Berra, Larry Doby was, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, of Berra, Yogi, uh, yeah, I can't talk again. Sorry. Doby said, Yogi was one of the first opposing players to talk to me. As a catcher, Yogi talked to everybody. I finally had to tell the umpire, please tell him shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. He asked me how my family was back in the first inning. <laughs> And in uh, 2018, Larry Toby was also honored with the Congressional Gold Medal. And um, uh, Bill Pascrell of, of New Jersey, um, what was he, Senator? I'm, I'm trying to remember, or Congressman. Uh, a congressman. Yeah, Congressman. That, yeah, Bill Pascrell. He said, what Larry faced would have broken most men and women. <laughs> Unspeakable ra racism, threats of violence, and shunning from even his teammates. But he endured because of his unshakable courage and incredible character. And through his strength, American civil rights were advanced forward. He, he was a great man and hero. Uh, so, uh, yeah, for too long, Larry Doby's courageous contributions to American civil rights have been overlooked. Uh, he, he joined the major leagues shortly after the great Jackie Robinson and faced the same struggles and barriers without the same recognition. So... Thankfully, he he was awarded that congressional gold medal. A little late, but yeah. Th thankfully, yeah. You know, uh, in, in later days, finally, people have paid attention to Larry Doby. So, uh, and just uh, in October of last year, they actually unveiled a new mural at Hinchcliffe Stadium, uh, which uh, it's a work by local artists depicting Larry Doby. The first Af African American to play baseball in Americans and baseball's American League. So, that, so uh, you know, th this was a little bit of a uh, history of how these Jersey players uh, and and Jersey itself uh, was instrumental in you know breaking the color barrier in baseball, be it the minors, be it in the Negro leagues, and be it in the majors. We've had some incredible players uh, come from our uh, Garden State. Uh, on to the next part. Uh, Pete, ready for some Jersey, not Jersey? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Pete. The world-famous game uh, shocking the nation. Jersey, not Jersey, coming up. Yeah. Now, KP, you haven't played yet. M Ming played with us last week. Jersey, yeah. not Jersey. We're going to mention players, and you're going to let us know, was the player – from New Jersey or not from New Jersey? Okay, is it specific to baseball? Or are we going all all encompassing? We're going all over the place, uh, football and baseball. Yeah, so um, oh, yeah. okay. Now these are all black athletes that were born in New Jersey. That's the stipulation. Like, were so? Are they from Jersey? Born in New Jersey? Not from New Jersey? But just answer: born from New Jersey? Not from New Jersey? Okay. Let's kick this off. Famous Pittsburgh Steeler, Franco Harris, running back for the Steelers. Eight 1,000-yard rushing. Super Bowl champion. Four Super Bowls. Was he born in New Jersey or no? Sorry, not born in New Jersey. Ming, you and I are disqualified from this. 
KP, you're Georgia. the only answer. Uh, let's say born in Jersey. KP, you are 100% correct. Oh, thanks, Pete. <laughs> Fort Dix, New Jersey. What's What was in Fort Dix? Yes. Army base. Army base. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> He's an army okay. brat. Franco Harris. There's, let's uh let's move on to uh, basketball. Will Chamberlain now play for the Sixers, Lakers from New Jersey? Not from New Jersey. He'll also play for the Globetrotters for a short stint. Ah, dang. Yeah, that was my other trivia question I was going to like throw out there. Ladies. Very suave ladies, man. Uh, yes. Well, well known for that as well. <laughs> You've read the book, haven't you? Wilt the Stilt. That's what we called. That was his nickname, right? <laughs> right. Not for not not for his height, but uh, uh, anyway. Yeah. From Jersey, not from New Jersey. Want to take a guess, uh, Ming yeah. PP? Oh, I'm in on this. I will say that he. Oof. I'll say that he's not from New Jersey. Oh. You got to guess on Will Chamberlain if he's from New Jersey or not from New Jersey. Oh, okay, I, I didn't know. Uh, you guys explained the rules, but not the order. Sorry. Um, right. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with Ming. Then I'll say he's not from Jersey. And I'm I'm gonna take a stab and also say not Jersey. I think he was a Southern guy, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the answer is he is not from New Jersey. From Philadelphia, you know oh, where uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff uh, are from. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> Moving on. Baseball Hall of Famer, Roy Campanella. Brooklyn Dodger, considered one of the best catchers of all time. 1948 debut. Is he from New Jersey? Not from New Jersey. Oh, that's that's a good one. I'm going to say he's not from New Jersey. KP, what do you think? I'm going to say no as well. Uh, I'm sticking with the crowd also saying no. He joins Will Chamberlain and being from Philadelphia, not from New Jersey. Moving on. Dennis, cigar. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Dennis Rodman, the worm. Power forward for the Bulls. From New Jersey, not from New Jersey. Shit. Uh, I, I don't think we claim him, but I, I think for some reason he was born in Jersey. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's for. He was born in New Jersey. Maybe didn't live here long, but he may. I think he was born somewhere around here. I'll say from New Jersey. And also, I'm I'm sticking with the crowd because I, yeah. Oh, where the hell was he born? Shit. But but yeah, he, he's a Jersey guy. Like as far as born. Everyone is doing fantastic. Yes, born in Trenton, New Jersey. Wow, Trenton, there he goes. Fan of Kim Jong Un. <laughs> I don't want to alarm you guys either, but in the 90 minutes we've done this, uh, did you guys see that the chances are he's dead? Yes, they, they yeah. said that he, uh, he never. That he oh, might no, 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 not, not not Dennis Rodman. Okay, That's no, King Jong Un. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Rodman is still with his, you know, hanging out with his Playboy playmates. So, although that's not even a thing anymore, is it? <laughs> what playboy playmates or hanging out with anyone <laughs> uh, well, both. Okay. that was solid nick that deserved more okay althea, althea gibson she's the first black woman to win uh tennis's uh grand slam she uh, 
won the Australia Open doubles, the French Open, Wimbledon, U.S. Open singles. She was ranked number one in the years 1957 to 1958. Was she born in New Jersey or not born in New Jersey? Gibson, I will say that she is from New Jersey. And she is the pre, you know, really set the, the you know, came, you know, well, well before, um, you know, Venus, Serena Williams, and paved the way is the, the uh, what I wanted to say for her. KP, have a guess? I, uh, I know the name, too. I, I've never really paid much attention to tennis, but I have a feeling that she's going to be from Jersey if I know her. And I'm, I'm agreeing with the crowd again. There really are no winners in this game, huh, Nick? <laughs> so really, this is a, a, a mixed answer. But no, she was not born in New Jersey. She was actually born in South Carolina. But uh, there are all sorts of commemorations toward her in New Jersey because she had um, – she had a political affiliation and towards the later stage of her life uh, um, in New Jersey. Um, she lived in East Orange for 20 plus years and, you know, ran for office uh, there. Um, I didn't get whatever any of the real specifics on that, but um, there are, you know, um, like I said, I, I think also a, like a statue commemorating uh, her as a somewhat important in, in New uh, Jersey uh, toward the latter uh, half of her life, but born in South Carolina. Um, all right, let's do two more. What do you think, Nick? How's that? Sounds good. All right. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Ooh. Ooh. The boxer. I believe yeah. he's for sure from Jersey. 1980, the 87 champion. Wow. Uh, KP, I, I'm I'm going to bank off your confidence and speed. Much like Mar Marvelous Marvin Hagler, I'll say he's from New Jersey as well. Yeah, and, and yeah, he is from New Jersey. <laughs> and the answer is... He is from New Jersey. He's from right. Shackville, Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> Shackville. <laughs> Excellent work so far. <laughs> Let's do one last one. Okay. The man, the myth, the legend, Tony Dorsett, Heisman winner. Played for Cowboys, Denver. Running back. From New Jersey or not from New Jersey? Oof. I think he's not from New Jersey. We would brag about that way more if he was from Jersey, I think. So I'm going to agree with me. Nick? I'm going to say it's a case of like one of those. He was born in Jersey and then moved somewhere else. So the answer is he is from the City of Lights. Are you ready? Rochester, Pennsylvania. Oh. oh. <laughs> I <was> like, wait. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to throw the City of Lights at Paris, but, you know. Yes. City of Lights, uh, are, are we talking about light beers or something? Or <laughs> Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, that, that thus concludes our game of from Jersey, not from Jersey. I, honestly, I think, you know, Ming and KP kicked some serious ass. Right. Anyway. I did okay. Oh, did yeah. Sorry. Tough game for sure. Tough game for sure. Did very well. All right, Nick. Well, I, I wanted to thank, you know, both uh, KP and Ming for uh, joining us today. Like, uh, yeah. on the, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, we opened uh, some eyes and, you know, like, you know, to, to some of the uh, historical significance that Jersey played and s some of the athletes that came from here and, you know, the place that New Jersey holds also, be it the Negro Leagues, the first minor league of, with inter uh, game with integration, and you know, like, and there are again some of those statues out there too. And um, 
commemorations that you can find, such as uh, the one by the Path Station in uh, Jersey City for Jackie Robinson, uh, the Larry Doby over in Patterson. Yeah, so Monty Irvin Field in, uh, what did I say, was it Orange? And, uh, yeah, I don't know if Donald Newcomb got anything, though, out of this. Uh, not as much as he could have, should have, but still a great player. But, uh, and, and any uh, last thoughts that you guys have uh, no. on today's discussions? I, I mean, thank you for the education. I had no idea that Jersey was so steeped in uh, the breaking of the color barrier. So thank you, Nick and Pete. That was a great rundown, Nick. I, I love the history lesson there. I, I learned th th things I never knew before uh, in, in terms of that, you know, um, th those individuals. They did great. Uh, so did I. <laughs> this is what it must feel like, KP, to make it an episode of American Looser. It's when uh, you start reading. Yeah. Uh, it can be daunting at times. You did an awesome job, though, man. The research here. If if, uh, if loser ever gets a budget, uh, we would definitely look into getting you guys on as the research team. <laughs> yeah, because ninety percent of it's just me and the old man bullshitting on our way to the studio. <laughs> it works though for you. I appreciate it. I, I got to say to Ming real quick too. This is why when people ask why I don't try to do a podcast at home, this is why the bulldog just was whining the entire second half <laughs> yeah. of the show. It's okay, we're we're dog we're all dog friendly here. So oh, yeah. we've seen it all. Yeah. We've seen we've seen cats jumping off stuff. We've uh yeah, we've seen a lot of things. <laughs> like Animal Planet. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> man. But uh <laughs> no, this was a pleasant distraction, so I appreciate you guys having me on. No, thank uh, you, thank you yeah. KP. And yeah, you know, for all those out there, if you've not listened yet, please listen to American Loser, uh the, the podcast that uh Puts the spotlight, uh, spotlight, not spotlight. You don't want the, any of those. Spotlight firmly on second place, and um, yeah, it, always uh, recorded at a shared universe podcast studio in Eatontown, New Jersey. And that Ming, Mike Zapsick, they, they're helping uh, helping us through these times, putting these uh, pods together. So thank you guys. And if you're looking to start a pod, please contact Mike and Ming, and they will get get you going right away. Yes. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. So for What Exit Jersey Stories, I've been Nick Franco. I'm Pete Riario. Ming Chen. Mike Zapsik. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Angrier, angrier. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and Mr. KP Burke. And uh, besides American Loser, Please, once we're able to actually go out and actually see other people, please see this man. His stand-up is incredible. If you can, just uh, check it out on yeah. YouTube. There are some uh, <laughs> there, there are some uh, uh, cl clips uh, from uh, KP. Uh, yeah, some of the roast battles, some of uh, your uh, the roast of Brian Halloran, and uh, that latest one from uh, uh, what was that club in New York, uh, KP? Oh, that was uh, my tape from Broadway. Yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah, so uh, yeah, you, you like my Carol Baskin uh, joke on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you, man. That means a lot. I, I always am grateful for the kind words uh, you guys throw my way. But but yeah, for for uh, what I said, Jersey stories. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Good Bye -bye. night. Be safe.